You are listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Corbin. I'm Claire Perini. And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast. Do you know what I was thinking? We might, this might be a welcome for the first time for someone. Maybe someone's never listened to the Regent Podcast before and they're not being welcomed back. They're just being welcomed for the first time. Oh, well, what do you say when you want to welcome somebody, <laughs> Just welcome Claire? to the Regent. Just welcome. Is that what you don't, but, but in Australia, what would you say? Oh, you might say g'day. G'day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the reason Nick's saying that is because today we had a conversation with Dr. Mark Glanville, who is also a fellow Aussie mm. who loves his lollies and... Um, various other Aussie treats. Uh, Mark is Associate Professor of Pastoral Theology at Regent and an Old Testament scholar, and he's also a jazz musician. And so we had a conversation with him around jazz, the biblical story, the blues, mm-hmm. how we understand, how he understands the intersection of those things and how actually jazz gives voice to lament as well as celebration mm-hmm. uh, and how we see that in the biblical story, particularly in Exodus as well. Yeah, we also got a little glimpse into Mark's history as well, how he became interested in in jazz music and the blues, but then also how he uh, became interested in biblical studies and scholarship and saw those intersect. So it's fun to hear his story as well. So if you don't know anything about Mark, he is pretty great. I mean, he's listening to us as we give this intro. As we, normally, they normally don't listen to here. us, so we kind of have to. We kind of like have make to make him say, sound really great. Yeah. but you will remember we did. A, we've done a podcast with Mark and his brother Luke uh, around their book "Refuge: Reimagine Biblical Kinship in Global Politics." He's also written a number of articles and and, and book chapters, and he's currently completing a book uh, with the working title "Improvising Communities: Sort of Imagining the Church in the Kind of Post Christendom Kind of Era." So keep an eye out for that. It's coming out with IVP, but in the meantime enjoy this conversation that involves jazz blues amazing grace mm-hmm. and alanis morissette Whoa. enjoy our conversation with dr mark lamble
this is the Region College podcast streaming in live from New Orleans uh, from a jazz club, you know, there in you the go. basement of a – no, we're actually not. This is our first podcast uh-huh. out of our own house and out of the Region building. Out of the, the storage room. Out of the storage closet. In the Region <laughs> building. <laughs> and we're currently sitting in Mark Glanville's living room with his piano and him. Mark, welcome. To the Thank Region College you. Podcast. Welcome to, welcome to our living room. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, man. So good to be with you, Clara Nico. Oh, do you like the O at the end? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're very familiar for you. Yeah, Mark. Brings right. you right Marky back Mark, to home. Right back. Takes me right takes back. Takes us home. We just, when takes I saw him, Mark, I did say g'day. <laughs> I don't <laughs> usually say g'day, but. You did. I, we and don't get a g'day from you from no, the podcast. No. <laughs> I, I would love to see that more. Uh-huh. No, you don't need any more. You don't need any, don't need any more Aussieisms. Yeah, at Regent right now. With the, There's a lot going down, <laughs> and, and, and to truth be told, we're in the living room sipping from Aussie cups. Mm-hmm. Nick's got a koala bear on his koala bear. Cup. Kingfisher over there oh, for Clara. I didn't even notice. Yeah, and you've yeah you've got a nice publisher sponsored cup over there from yeah. IVP. Yeah, mm. that's right. Beautiful. Nothing Australian about that. This is great <laughs> coffee too, by the it way. It is. Thank oh, you. Cheers. Yeah, it's just freshly, local. Yeah, local. Just ground this morning. We ran out this morning. We ran out of coffee. Oh, disaster. Did the, did the walk, the emergency walk. <laughs> yeah, you got to. <laughs> you got to do the emergency Look, walk. we could keep talking. We could keep bantering yeah. along for hours, yeah. but we've got things to discuss. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mark, tell us, how did you become interested in music and specifically jazz music? I um, grew up in Sydney, Australia, and my mum put me through classical piano lessons from mm-hmm. when I was six years old. Uh, and I had Mrs. Huthnitz, my piano teacher, who's still a friend. And I practiced classical. I took it seriously enough, but I didn't love it. And I was never motivated to go that extra mile. And I knew I wasn't because I had friends who were, you know. Mm. Mrs. Huthens had those classical students who were kind of my peers, my competitors, if you like. And they were doing that, you know, playing for three hours a day, just learning. You put the next piece by Debussy or Mozart. And that wasn't me, you mm. know. But, but I remember once I was in high school. Well, actually, I should say that when I was 12 years old, I started to just take church chorus music because we we called church music choruses back then. Remember mm-hmm. the choruses? Let's sing a chorus mm-hmm. and majesty or, Ooh. right? Yeah, yeah, seek you first the kingdom of God. And, and uh, so I would just play these tunes and, and I was just reading from the chord sheet and trying to work out what a chord meant and how to play a chord on the piano. So really I was, I was starting to improvise. Mm. Starting to get my hand around harmony, my ears around harmony, even though I didn't realize that's what was happening. So I started to do that maybe when I was in year seven, around 12 years old. But then I remember saying to my mother once, maybe I was like uh, 14 or something, what, mom? Because we were in Australia. It's a long way away from jazz and the blues geographically. Mm-hmm. I remember mm. saying to mom, what's that music that where they just kind of play all those notes and just make it up on the spot? <laughs> and she said, I think it's jazz. <laughs> and we, you know, in Sydney, uh, which is our closest city, there's good jazz scene, which I eventually became a part of, and my brother Luke too became a part of. But um, but but in the Blue Mountains where we lived, an hour and a half drive from there, uh, we, yeah, just classical music was present, musicals, Gilbert and Sullivan. There's a lot of music, but not improvised music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so then it was just an exploration of just trying to find who are those friends or people in our community who play this music, jazz, and what is that, and what's mm. the blues, and just learning anything I could, and just finding any album that I could, and 
uh, it wasn't like growing up in Canada or America where if you want to play jazz, mm. there's probably a lot of players living within five minutes drive, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my, 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 mom, my mother was really encouraging, you mm -hmm. know, because she just loves music. You mm -hmm. know? Mm. So you were one of the few jazz musicians in, in Australia. Well, in the cities, I mean, again, it's thinner than Canada or America, a lot thinner, but there's a rich scene in the big cities okay. and very good players in Sydney, yeah. in Melbourne, mm. in Perth. Um, yeah, but because I didn't live in the city and didn't go to a particular, you know, one or two schools where there's a good jazz program and there aren't many, um, I didn't have that early exposure. Mm -hmm. But that was common for us, for, mm. for, for my peers. Um, a lot of us, you know, we were, we'd been musicians all our lives but really learnt the art form of jazz kind of, you know, we'd be a little older than you would in America, 16, yeah. 17, 18, mm -hmm. 19. And we just, yeah, I mean, I was practiced real, real hard. You know, once I hit my stride, I was practicing eight hours a day. Wow. And then I'd, I'd go out driving to Sydney for gigs and rehearsals. And so I just, I immersed in the music, just got it in my bones and just practiced and practiced and practiced. And mm. yeah. Mm. So you were full on playing jazz music in different clubs and stuff. How did you, I mean, how yeah. did you moved in into biblical studies? Like where did that come into play? Yeah, it had always been part of my life. When I was 18 and 19, I went to, to seminaries, we call it in North America, Bible colleges, we call it in Australia. And, and I did study um, toward some subjects toward a Bachelor of Theology back when I was 18 and 19. And, and I love studying scripture. But then I went into, a, I mean, I, I love music. And, and I followed that as a career path through my 20s. And then I got a repetitive strain injury in, in mm. my forearms, a very acute um, RSI. And so I, I think through the grief of it, just quit, mm. just stopped playing. Oof. I probably didn't have to, but, but I did because of the grief. And, and so I, I thought, you know, I, I went back to, um, to seminary really thinking, well, what, what I want to do is to become a scholar because, you know, I think it's quite close to jazz. It's interesting, a lot of my jazz peers – in Sydney, who went through it as young adults and played jazz music professionally. So many of us are working as scholars now. It's wow. really weird, including my brother. And um, it's just, there's a really strong connection because of creativity. It's, it's using your brain in creative ways. So I was thinking, I was on a PhD track for Old Testament studies. I thought, oh, that's going to be wonderful, you know. I, and, but then, you know, I was really humbled. Um, that loss of the career in jazz was at the same time as a profound chronic fatigue. I had two years oh, yeah. lying on my back in bed well, um, for many months, unable to get up out of bed. And I had depression that came with that. I had a broken engagement thrown into the mix. Mm. It was a really hard time around those late 20s, turning 30 kind of, mm. kind of the, turning 30 hit me like a bombshell, you know. But lying on my bed really tired was you know, I knew God had me where God wanted me. Mm. And I, I remember telling myself deep down, I've been an arrogant little jazz musician, you know, mm. and that was the phrase, you know. And I knew that God was humbling me and that it was good. And so I just learned to slow down and to be with other people who needed to slow down or were grieving and to be present with people and and to make space for God. So mm. just committed myself to God in that again, but much more deeply, and, and to the Word of God, to Scripture as God's Word, mm -hmm. as authoritative, God's authoritative Word. So that was one of the most significant times in my life, mm -hmm. of losing that full-time jazz career. I mean, the RSI is better now, but 
but also just really being smashed, you know, but, mm-hmm. but in, in the best way. And then um, another piece happened, Nick. So, so I was on that track to do a PhD and, and to become a scholar and to write. And I'd never wanted to be a pastor. And then I was an, an intern as part of my MDiv, but not thinking I would be a pastor. Intern with Robert Ben, who was a Presbyterian pastor in his final two years of ministry. Vast experience, deep maturity. Mm. And it was just God's gift to me. And the first time I met Rob, what really captured me was his prayer. So I walked into the church and I was sitting on the back pew, I remember, and he was up the front praying, corporate prayer. And I'd never heard someone pray like this before. He he prayed like someone who was in a throne room, mm. but but up close and personal and intimate. And I just thought, I want to let her pray like that. And then I saw him pastor and just love this congregation like a grandfather and point them to Jesus. And I thought, this is worthy of a lifetime, mm. you know, just pastoring a local congregation, nourishing faith. And so through all this series of events and proximity to Robert, mm. um, I... I put the PhD on the shelf for, for, for some years and just, yeah, do, I, I want to give my life to, to the people of God and nourishing mm, faith. Wow. Mm. That was a long answer, man. No. You were a patient listener. No, Thanks good. for sharing all mm-hmm. that. Mm. And so then you sort of, so you had these almost parallel tracks. So you have the jazz thing going on, but although noticing now that there is an interaction between that and scholarship, and then you have the, the pastoral kind of moment as well as the scholarship. When did those things, the jazz and the th- kind of scholarship and theology sort of start to really intersect and integrate for you? Yeah, thanks. I, I'm still really on a process of it, mm-hmm. I, I think. Um, so it's all pretty intuitive right now. I think, and I think I'm learning every month, I think there's a profound connection between what the church needs now and jazz music. Mm. I, 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 jazz, and we can explore this, is deeply relational. It's improvised, but the thing is it's improvised on a tradition. Uh, it's improvised on this rich jazz tradition. And when any professional jazz musician plays, other jazz musicians, we know if that person's playing out of the rich tradition or if they're not. Mm. We can tell. And I think it's, but it's improvised, and so it's fresh in the moment, but highly relational in dialogue with mm. other musicians. Yeah. And I think as an image for what the church needs in post-Christendom, we have this biblical tradition, but we need to improvise fresh melodies. We can't assume that everything we do as a church is is just, you know, is what we have to do according to Scripture because so much of it is cultural. Mm-hmm. And so we need to read the Bible with fresh imagination. And we need to, but it's relational, just like jazz. We, we, need, to, uh, we need to learn to, to listen well and bring, not just have pastors as the leaders, but have leader full churches where we bring many creative leaders to the center. Mm-hmm. And with the Bible in our hands, see what, what the Spirit bursts in our imagination mm. for how to, witness to the tenderness of Christ and embody the tenderness of Christ in a local neighborhood. So I think that's what, one way that mm-hmm. my life as a jazz musician is intersecting with my life as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as a scholar, I think um, I think one of the important ways that I think the work that jazz does for me, it, it points me to the importance of emotions, mm. of a lament, a celebration, mm of grieving what Christ grieves, celebrating what Christ celebrates, even of anger. And jazz does all, all of that. I think as, as biblical scholars, we, we can become detached and hypercognitive. But, mm. but, but jazz, you know, jazz is, is actually fairly intellectual, but, but it's also deeply emotional. It's full mm. of soul. 
and the Bible's full of soul. The Bible's all, all, almost every book of the Bible is written from really uh, uh, circumstances where the people of God are on their at their limit, mm. yeah, and, and mm-hmm. deeply dependent on God. Um, but we could talk more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if you could. Uh, I'd love to get more into that. Could you first, maybe for those of us who don't know, share a little bit of the history of of jazz music in which it which it was birthed? And uh, my understanding with jazz music, there's like these almost this dissidence or these two kind of, in some regards, opposite emotions that that is a part of the music. So I wonder if you could share the history and then also like how that then plays out and why. I guess my question is, why is it so appealing and attractive for people? So those are, mm. there's like multiple questions there. First, maybe the history, and then why is it so appealing? I appreciate that. I mean, the appeal is interesting because mm-hmm. there's there's barely an art form in in the West that's not rooted deeply in the blues and gospel mm. and jazz. Mm. You know, whether you want to go pop or rap or hip-hop or country and Western, the soul of all of that music in the end comes from the blues mm. and comes from the jazz tradition. You know, even something as like, you know, as – as anemic as Taylor Swift, hmm. it would be impossible without the roots of the blues. And insofar as it creates beautiful emotions, it owes that, you know, to yeah. the blues tradition and to jazz. So you're right, it, it, it does. I mean, the, um, yeah, I mean, the history of it is, I mean, you have to go back to New Orleans really and back to the 1800s and the incredible mix of communities there, including um, black Americans, including the Creole population, and this mix of, of classical music played by the Creole population and the improvised art forms of, of marching bands and funeral bands of, of black Americans. And then uh, so this kind of often this virtuosic kind of um, nature of the classical music meeting the improvised nature of the black music. But then you also have the the kind of migration of the blues from the delta region into new orleans mm. and that that's that's the soul and and the blues um it, you, you know it was sung in the churches it was sung in the fields as work songs mm. and the blues is this is this profound uh, art form which is described as there's a it's a, a blues moan and a gospel shout the, mm. the, the, it, it's a it's a cry of life it's a cry of resurrection, um, mm. but there's also a crucifixion. You mm, know, mm. Um, it comes from from the suffering of of slaveholding and the you know the, the demonic oppression of slaveholding and racism mm. in America. And so, when the blues uh, migrates to New Orleans and, and meets the virtuosic nature of Creole music and and the marching bands and, and, and the funeral bands and the rhythm that that the Black American community you know, this fusion of populations, it's a conversation already, you know, mm-hmm. it's already dynamic. It's improvised, it's virtuosic, it's full of soul. And then jazz really uh, develops as well as it as it goes across America to some of the big cities like New York and Chicago. Some mm-hmm. people say that jazz was birthed when Louis Armstrong arrived in New York. But, you know, when you speak about the emotions, uh, you know, the blues is that blues moan and the gospel shout, and the blues always points us to to, to lament, mm-hmm. to, to what's wrong with the world. Mm. Uh, but it's always a, a cry of resilience and a cry of hope because we're singing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and we're singing uh, with incredible giftedness, you know, the ingenuity, the brilliance of, of the African-American community that, 
invented this art form. So maybe I can illustrate. Yeah, it. Yeah, could us. you give us an example? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. yeah. I mean, there's an old jazz standard, blues standard called "Things Ain't What They Used to Be." That's a well-known melody. And you'll just hear you'll hear the lament in the blues, but you'll also hear the celebration. Can't help hearing that. Kind of, um, I mean, that was the things on um, what they used to be an old 12 bar blues standard. <clears throat> you can kind of see in the music how the blues gets a distinctive sound. Um, do you want me to tell you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I kind I felt like I kind of got it like the the gospel shout piece, but then also the dissidence within that yeah. too. But mm. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be able to describe it, so maybe you mm. can just like describe the different different notes and stuff. That yeah, you play. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um. We have three what we call blue notes in the blues. It's it's if you for musicians who are listening, if you think of the major scale, if you flatten, that is to say, you go down one semitone from the third, the fifth, and the seventh. So here's a major third, C to E. And if you flatten that down to an E flat, that's the first kind of blues note, and you can hear that bluesy sound. You know, that's uh, just C to E flat, and, and the next one. 
is a flattened fifth, and that's the most dissonant of all. And and you can really hear the the, the angst. You can mm-hmm. hear you can hear mm-hmm. the suffering of in the story and the suffering of of, of the human kind of condition. Uh, so the, the, uh, you can kind of uh, hear mm-hmm. that in the kind of Little Richie's rock and roll kind of licks and that yeah. kind of thing. Well, then there's a flattened seventh, so now it's B flat. But then, of course, there's the time, the rhythm in the mm-hmm. blues, and, and that's almost uh, you. You can't write that down. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you, you just got to listen to that and, and just um, and just get it into your bones. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost you can't write it down. There's no formula for that one. Mm-hmm. The rhythm, the time, what we call even the swing. You know. So the blues moan and the gospel shout. That I think the blues and jazz, it, it brings us to the to the soul in life mm-hmm. and the soul in the Bible, the soul in Scripture. What Christ grieves and what Christ celebrates. Mm-hmm. And I think that it seems to me, for the witness of the church today, you know, we have to grieve what Christ grieves that's around us and celebrate what Christ celebrates. Mm-hmm. You know. Do you want to? Can you can you go a little bit deeper in terms of our understanding of, of your understanding of the Exodus story and how that relates to? To jazz and the blues, is it both? Like, can you wait? Can you do jazz and blues separate, or are they always together? Let's yeah, just... I mean they are separate. I mean, blues yeah. is the grounds of jazz. Yeah, yeah you can right. do, you can do blues without jazz. You can't do jazz without blues. Got it. Okay. Yeah, got it. So then, how how do you see jazz kind of opening up the biblical story? You sort of alluded to it a little bit, but particularly the story of the Exodus. Can you talk about a bit about that? Yeah, I mean that's interesting. Um, gosh, there's so much to say about it. I, I mean, there's some real fascinating parallels historically. If you think that. You know the Exodus event, um, like it was God's response to enslavement um, mm. in that ancient time. Right. And so Pharaoh, you know, was a great king who was a horrific um, oppressor. The Hebrew people were enslaved. They laboured in the brick factories of Pharaoh, and you know it was a it was a blues moment. It was a it was genocide. Male babies were killed to give this keep this labor force in subjugation. You know, and mm. I don't know what songs the Hebrews people sang in ancient Egypt. We don't have access to that, but I bet there would have been some kind of resonance mm-hmm. with the blues. You know, at, at an emotional level, at a, at a personal level. You know, so you could. <laughs> some kind of resonance mm-hmm. with the blues in some way at that mm. that level of human experience and mm. the, the the incredible thing about the exodus event was this revelation of god who steps in as a great king and judges or steps in as the great king as the god of gods and lord of lords and judges pharaoh for his oppressive rule mm. and emancipates this enslaved people the hebrews and then not only emancipates them in this great enact, this great act of, of slave release, of, of, of social justice, and that's how it's portrayed in the book of Exodus, but brings them to Sinai two and a half months later and gives them the Torah or the Pentateuch or the law, and this law is shaping ancient Israel to be a contrastive community that is completely different to the community of Egypt, mm. a place where not of oppression, not of enslavement, but a place where every person can thrive, where the weakest is brought to the center, mm. where every person can thrive, especially the most vulnerable. 
And that's the celebration in the blues. Mm-hmm. That's the resurrection in the blues, that there is a God who stands behind history, who weaves within history mm. uh, and brings us real hope. You know, that's the celebration. <laughs> There's always celebration in mm-hmm. the blues because mm-hmm. we're singing. You know, we're, we're we've survived. Mm-hmm. And I think um, one of the interesting things that I, I don't have my head around this this mystery or or these depths properly, but it's really incredible to me that that in the story of America, that the most heinous evil of enslavement. Mm-hmm. That and by the ingenuity and resilience of Black American people, and I'm not a Black American person, so this isn't my story. So I say it with deep respect and with honor. Uh, that 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 the Black American community we birthed this beautiful music of the jazz and blues, mm. and perhaps in a parallel way and an associated way, that biblical law in the Bible is birthed from. A context of historical atrocity hmm. that God rescues Israel and biblical law, Torah, is birthed, and you, you know, in, in, in perhaps in a parallel way, that the, the jazz and the blues, this beautiful music, this this cry of resurrection of life, this 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 statement of of dignity, this but this this expression of of what Christ grieves is birthed. So that's very, very interesting that that out of the ashes, the mm-hmm. most beautiful mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of, it, it seems kind of weird or, or maybe almost not right in some sense to call it beautiful because it's out of deep atrocity, injustice and oppression, like horrible things happen. But, but for some reason, and maybe it's, maybe what it is, is you're speaking to, it's like, that there's still hope amidst even the even the tragedy. Like there's still like resilience, and that's what blues kind of is. That what you're getting at? Like to say that it's beautiful seems a little disjointed at first, but but it actually is beautiful because of what what comes of it. Yeah, I mean the atrocity of enslavement in America and in ancient times is is just evil. Period. Um, and it's an incredible, it's incredible what the black American community, the culture, mm. the genius, the, the humanity, what that produced, the most significant classical art form for, for, from, from America, the definitive classical art form from America. Mm. You know, people search around and they say, well, what is distinctively classical music? You know, Americans' classical music, well, it's jazz and the blues. Mm. And in a similar mm. way, you know, we wouldn't have the Pentateuch, we wouldn't have the Torah if it wasn't for God's grace, yeah. resurrection grace in emancipating Israel. And I think that it shows us that um, just this dynamic of resurrection, um, that in the mystery of the world and mm. of God working among God's people, that mm-hmm. that beautiful things come from the ashes. Uh, they don't come from the fire. They they come from the ashes. The best art always comes from the ashes. Yeah, you don't make the best art from the fire. You make the best art from the ashes. Mm. And so I think that um, this is why, at the heart of Scripture, which is the, I think in many ways the Pentateuch, the roots, the foundation of Scripture, as a literary work, as a theological work, is is so profound and so beautiful, because uh, 
it's birthed. Uh, it's birthing a contrast of community that's in contradistinction to the slavery of Egypt. And so you think of the Pentateuch and, you know, Deuteronomy 5, 4, there should be no poor among you. Or, uh, you know, the, the incredible uh, stipulations, the relentless stipulations concerning enfolding the refugee. Or the mm. remarkable stipulations in Deuteronomy 23 about that any slave is allowed to run away. And there's just relentless provisions of, of, of Sabbath, even for the land. Mm. So there's creation care there. And mm. there at the, at the heart of Scripture, at the soul of Scripture, the foundation of the biblical story, the Pentateuch, you have this vision for the beloved community, a community of tenderness. Mm. And so it's no wonder that when Jesus mm-hmm. uh, starts walking around the streets of Galilee, we see that up close and personal, mm-hmm. that tenderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we hear that in jazz and the blues, you know, we hear yeah. that tenderness, you know, we hear that soul. Yeah. Can you um can you show that show us a little bit of that with amazing grace in kind of blues form, maybe? Oh yeah, yeah. By that's any a good chance. One. And yeah, anything you want to share about that that we should be listening for as you play or Oh sure, that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all grew up with Amazing Grace in church and we could play it in just kind of a diatonic or just major scale way. <laughs> That take you back. Mm-hmm. It takes us right back. <laughs> yeah, it takes you back to Black Sun United Church. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can still picture those piano players. Uh-huh. And uh, were they but, wear, were they wearing beige? They were definitely wearing beige. They were wearing beige. Yeah, <laughs> definitely wearing beige. Or um like a, a very dark brown and beige. <laughs> I think you're right. And actually my mind also went to the coffee biscuits. Straight I, for Ooh, some reason yep. after mm, church. Mm, those little plain. Yeah. Good when sugar? dipped. Yeah, good when dipped. Not good so good dipped. on their own. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> anyway. Unless you got the sugar ones. <laughs> then you're fine. <laughs> but then the blues is always going to bring in the flattened seventh and the flattened third and the flattened fifth. And it's going to bring a different sense of the time. So, you know, it brings in that, in a sense, you could say it brings in trouble. So instead of going, start off with the flattened third. No, that's okay. We're pretty safe there, but there's always trouble around the corner. Ah, we're safe for a moment.
Come on. So I'm going to say you just tap. You, go, you, you can't you help it. You move. can't not move. If you're not moving, there might be something wrong. wrong with you. Right? It's uh, true. It's just so beautiful. I think what what I reflect on, I mean, in my imagination just goes different places, but I think that very thing is there's something within music and within jazz music and the blues that, that teaches and helps one even express that in some ways, maybe like r- rational teaching or just teaching in general can't do. I've heard it like even, even heard it say that, that when music is played, um, both sides of the brain hmm. light, light up hmm. and there's something that happens, um, for us as humans that, that, that doesn't happen if, mm. if you were just going to mm. say, teach verbally on it. I don't know. Do you have, do you have thoughts mm. on that? Like why, why is music, um, specifically so in such a way can, can almost teach us in some ways that maybe, maybe a lecture can't. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I mean, I think that music, yeah, it, it it's, it's organized but it's also full of soul. Mm. Like it's, it's a communication that's yeah. organized, mm-hmm. that's linear, that's meaningful, but it's full of heart. Mm. You know, one musician said, Adi Shaw said, if you're not feeling it, they won't feel it. You know, but if you're feeling it, they'll feel it. Mm. And so I think that um, it takes what we're thinking about and it doesn't stop thinking, but it takes it to the heart and mm-hmm. does work there and then mm. comes back to the brain, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, we, we need to be uh, centering our artists, you know, as a Christian community, especially mm-hmm. in this post-Christendom moment, which demands so much creativity. Mm-hmm. And we need to be creative in just about everything. So when I say center our artists, I'm not saying get everyone painting, though we can do that, but I think we need to be creative in just about mm-hmm. everything with the Bible in our hands. I think that a lovely picture of the church that's incarnate in a neighborhood is a musician sitting on the park bench playing the blues. You know, if a church can sit on the park bench, which represents just a park in a local neighborhood, a neighborhood that we love, you know, sitting there playing the guitar and singing the blues, we're grieving what Christ grieves in the neighborhood, Mm. we're loving what Christ loves, we're there, we're present, we're responsive in the name of Jesus. You know, there's imagination there, there's emotion there, mm-hmm. there's intelligent engagement there. We're there in, in our flesh. And, you know, picture 20 people gather around that park bench, you know, in the mm-hmm. name of Jesus. And picture that as the church in a neighborhood, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just there fully present with our bodies, with our emotions, with our minds, you know. Mm-hmm. And the church, I think that each church has to look different you mm-hmm. know we can't just right. churches so thoroughly globalized these days we all so many churches just look to the a number of american or one australian mega church and mimics it you know we we have to have the bible in our hand using our imaginations mm-hmm. like a blues musician sitting on a park bench mm-hmm. you know wow mm-hmm. yeah. it's a beautiful picture yeah and there's just there's that's brings in that attentiveness like the playground or the park looks different the people that come into that park in one mm-hmm. neighborhood are going to look different to the people that come into a park in another neighborhood yeah. and the importance of that kind of as you say a te- presence but then attentiveness to the particularities of that place and then what how that then how does church look like the particularities of that place yeah. not like yeah. not a cookie cutter version of a of a church that works somewhere else in some other neighborhood right but yeah. it's a conversation like mm-hmm. a music like a performance right. a conversation mm-hmm. yeah 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 
Malcolm it, it, Owen. Sorry, I was just going to say, okay. it probably looks more like jazz music too than maybe any other music because it is, mm. that, as you mentioned in mm. the beginning of the conversation, that dynamic, yeah. that raci- relational improvisation, you have yeah. to be able to mm-hmm. kind of almost think on your feet. So yeah. maybe that's why you were so drawn to, to jazz music in the beginning. Maybe, and being a, a pastor in international yeah. communities. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We're improvising on the tradition you know, where they're playing jazz, you're improvising on those deep jazz roots where you, you know, as Christians, we're improvising on the biblical tradition. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Relational, it's I'm, aesthetic, all that's yeah. there. It's emotional, it's intelligent, it's embodied, it's people, it's movement, it's dance. Yeah. Jazz is always a dance, you know. Mm. The church is a dance at its best. Mm-hmm. When you, when you, the other question that kind of comes into conversation around church stuff is the tradition of the of the of the biblical story, but then the tradition of the church. Do are we improvising on that as well? Like you know, we're often talking about the biblical tradition and the church yeah. tradition, or I don't know. How do you think about that? The tradition of the church as well. Yeah, no, I, I think we are. Yeah, I, I, like the church historically and the church globally mm, today. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's a very important way for us to be enlivened. Mm. And I'm talking about churches in the West right now to yeah. be to be really aware that the best of the church, you know, isn't the big success story that, mm. you know, in, in Houston, Texas or something, it has 30,000 people, but that, you know, uh, there's an intercultural reality. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the most vibrant, spirit-filled uh, churches in Canada and America are immigrant churches, you know, mm-hmm. and o- often from the majority world. Yeah. And to be aware that, uh, you know, the church in the West is only 15 15, one five percent of the body of Christ. Mm, yeah. 85% of the body of Christ is outside of the West, yeah. in the South and the East. That's where the Spirit is working. And so the you know, the tradition of the church takes our attention yeah. to those places. Yeah. And yeah. and so worship and prayer mm. and reading scripture and interp- biblical interpretation yeah. and and our practices, th- these are all, all all need to be informed. Yeah, but by these realities. Yeah. And our worship, you know, can be shaped and informed by all this rich liturgical tradition from the last mm-hmm. 2,000 mm-hmm. years and beyond. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's so much more to enliven and inspire our imagination than sometimes what we have access to. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mark, I've got a very important question for that, our final question. Oh, there you, you. go. Here when we go. Jesus comes and returns and renews all of creation, bam. will jazz, the blues, will they be played then? Yeah, of course, because Jesus isn't coming and erasing history. The history of people and mm-hmm. the history of land, you know, is what Jesus is entering. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the biblical story is all about history, and the resurrection is the most wonderful point in time. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean the history is erased. Right. I mean, how is time going to bend? What's time going to do at that point? But I don't know, but... You know, we it doesn't mean the time never existed, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So we got the blues we, because that's a part of the story of peoples. It's mm-hmm. part of, you know, the beauty of resurrection mm-hmm. yeah. in this in this period. Wow. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. We, we won't have arthritis anymore. I know, no, no, good, no RSI. <laughs> that'd be good for the musos. <laughs> yeah, no RSI, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Mark, you need to can you uh yeah. can you play us out? As you played us yeah. in, can you play us out with well, a I would love to. You want. I would love to. And you know, I've been. I, I've always been into jagged little pill. Alanis Morissette's mm-hmm. big. What, what year do you reckon that was? I'm oh going gosh. to the nineties. Were you? Were you alive? I don't even. That's a foreign language it? to me. You don't know it. Oh, I think I was in <laughs> jagged little pills. Yeah. No. I feel like high school. So yeah. I'm thinking yeah. like yeah. early nineties. 
I think I'm going 91. Well, yeah, yeah. We could, you, could, you could look it up while I play. You let us know at the end. Do a bit of googling. So, so uh, yeah, I did my my trio did a gig the other day, and I wrote up a, a jazz chart for. Um, da, 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 uh, you recognize it. So the Lionel Morissette fans, you got to name it because the name's escaping me right now.
Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is rgnt.net.